having a law student help with intellectual property yeah. or engineers look at, can you actually build this? Um, med students explaining the anatomy to some of the MBA students, yeah, there are others right. that don't understand it. Bringing them all together in the classroom and working on a project together really adds to the richness of the yeah. report that the inventors get. The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. MentorMate empowers healthcare clients to deliver on their mission and transform the human experience through technology. For over 20 years, clients have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision, design innovative products, and build secure solutions while understanding the specific nuances of their industry. MentorMate's global team in the U.S., Eastern Europe, and Latin America helps clients in all sectors of healthcare transform their organizations. From Fortune 500 pharmaceutical companies and commercial payers to hospital systems, medical device manufacturers, and beyond. Learn more at mentormate.com healthcare. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. This is Frank Gestalti, your host for the Medical Alley podcast, and I'm so glad you joined us today for what will be, I think, a both, both very interesting episode and a useful episode for many of the companies that are out there listening. I'm joined today by two people from the University of Minnesota Medical Valuation Lab, and they'll tell you a bit more about what that is and how you can engage with it. But I'm joined today by Steve Parente and Jessica Haupt, and I might just ask you all to start with a quick intro on yourselves, and then we'll introduce Medical Valuation Lab. And Steve might start with you. Tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So uh, Steve Parenti, I'm a professor at the University of Minnesota in the Carlson School of Management. My home department is finance, but I'm really a health economist by training, and I've been doing basically stuff in the medical industry at this school since uh, coming in 1999. Wow. All right. And Jessica, how about you? I'm Jessica Haupt. I'm the managing director of the Medical Industry Leadership Institute at the Carlson School, and I've been with Millie just about since it started, almost 20 years ago. Wow. Very cool. Okay, so maybe just before we talk about the medical valuation uh, lab, would you talk about Millie real quick? Because I think that's also important for people to know about. Sure. Uh, Millie is the Medical Industry Leadership Institute. Uh, we started about 20 years ago, and we're really focused on educating students that want to go into the medical industry after they graduate. And we do this through a number of courses and activities but the one thing I think is really unique is we do a lot of community and mm -hmm. industry engagement. So we have an affiliate group of over 800 students or 800 alumni who partner with us on educational programming. They have a mentorship program with our students and they do a lot of activities that really help out. Um, we also have executives and residents and industry councils and just a wide range of people who are interested in contributing to what we do and contributing to the students' growth. Really a great network and a great part of this community. Really appreciate it. And then, Steve, maybe you want to tell us real quick, what is the valuation lab? Yeah, it's an interesting concept. I mean, uh, the, the notion of having a valuation, normally think of finance in a lab. You wouldn't necessarily put the right. two together. 
So what we do in the medical valuation lab is look at early stage medical technologies. And this really came from actually the very beginning of Millie. Uh, people saw the, the title Medical Industry Leadership Institute and they're like, that's so audacious, you know, <laughs> calling yourself an institute. What are you really doing? And then they, they then got to us and said, you know, if you really want to do something useful, help us with all the intellectual property at your university and everybody else that's on the cutting room floor. It just doesn't get seen fast enough through various technology commercialization units. And we thought about it for a while. We actually talked to people, you know, is uh, esteemed as the former CEO of Delta, Richard Anderson, <laughs> when he was uh, between Northwest uh, United Health Group. And we came up with this idea, originally we called it Assessment Inc. Yeah. But then we later turned it into the Valuation Lab. And I thought was, what if we got students that are heavily mentored to look at some of these early stage med tech, usually something that's where you need money to go to like series yep. A or something else like that and had them do not just the financials, but like all the other things that are choke points that are going to get you there. Is your intellectual property okay? Is the technology even possible? What's the regulatory pathway? What's reimbursement? Basically eight major things and, ha and put them all together in warp speed. Five weeks from meeting the inventor to putting out a report, white paper, PowerPoint, just like the real world, and then have them pivot and do it all over again, three times over a semester. Wow. That was our origin story in 2008. Oh, it's very cool. And and for either of you, maybe you could talk a bit about the, the range of technologies and kinds of companies that have come through. Like, what kinds of stuff do you see coming through the lab? Sure. So we've done nearly 500 projects since wow. we began. Um <laughs> They're local, national, global projects, and they really span all sectors of the industry. So it's not just focused on device. We've done biologics and business opportunities. We um, look at different section, sectors like cardiac space, mm -hmm. oncology, just just really a bit of everything. Runs the gamut. Yeah. Well, it's very impressive. And 500 companies, that's pretty darn impressive. That's a pretty wide swath of the innovation that might be happening during that time. This might be an obvious thing, but I find sometimes the obvious aren't. What is market assessment? Why is having a market assessment like this important for these companies? So I think one of the biggest things we do that's a value back is that there's the people that generally do this are super smart people that are clinical scientists or they're oh, engineers yeah. or somebody else like that. They know their domain space. They live their domain space. They literally sleep in their domain <laughs> space all the time. But going to market and all the things that they might need to do is not something they've ever been trained to do or seen right. unless they're, they've done it before and now they're a serial entrepreneur. But for those that are just starting out, what we do is like all the sort of the missing pieces. Like, did you, you know, do you have clear intellectual property or not? Uh, we actually train the students to do patent searches. They're not oh, patent cool. attorneys, but they at least they Get know a how starting to, point. Exactly. And it, fortunately, the tools are getting better and better to do that as well. We look at the regulatory pathway that some of our executives and residents used to run the device division of the FDA, like Susan Alpert. Shout so, out to Susan Alpert. Exactly. She's great. She's yeah. wonderful. And she, she's always on call for the students, no matter where they are worldwide, to kind of help out and give some advice. Folks, if you don't know her, that is reason alone to get involved in the program. Dr. Alpert is a legend and a wonderful human. And then just the reimbursement pathway, like it's who's going to pay for this thing? Is it bundled as part of like the hospital payment and the DRG? Does it come by a different procedure code? How hard is it to get like a HICPIC? Because like all that world is like not what an inventor thinks about. We train the students to think about it. We go through a whole boot camp process. And then the, the thought is like it all comes together. And what's cool about it, too, is that when it starts off, they have to make an assessment 
right up front. Does an investor invest or not? So that was the other last thing that's in, unique about it. They are working in part for the inventor to tell them stuff, but they're working mostly with put the mindset of for an investor. You know, there's only so much money someone has, whether it's Series A or something else like that. You know, is this a good idea or not? And so coming out of that, I, I'm a company, I go through this, I get the report. What do I do with it? How do the companies, how have the companies used the results? What it, it honestly depends what the results are. So, I mean, a lot of times the students are so earnest about what they're trying to do. Like if, if they actually come back and say, do not invest, they like struggle to find a pivot. Like what else could you do with this thing? Do you really have to put this through class three? Could it go through class two? And some of the pivots they've come up with are honestly ingenious ideas that the inventors don't necessarily think about. But the thought is if there's different paths, one possibility is like, just stop, you know, it's an right. interesting technology. You're super smart. Here's some of the things you haven't thought about. It, a lot of times it could fail on intellectual property oh. or regulatory where it's like you're fenced in or your break even point is going to be 50% of market share. And there's, it's, it's super possible. Right. Oh. Exactly. The other thing is like, what if it's like a slam dunk? Then a lot of times if it's really a slam dunk, they just take the report, run with it, and go to an investor group <laughs> and say, like, this group has, has helped us out. And then usually a lot of it's halfway in between, which is like, we don't say invest, but you got to like, there's like two or three other things you got to do. And depending upon what we say, sometimes even projects come back to the lab for like a second or third reading well, to say cool. like, like, did we get it better this time? Did our grade go up from like D plus to essentially B plus or A minus to get funded? Oh, I love that. And and in my experience, that, that is incredibly valuable. I, I have seen a number of companies where they figure those things out, but they figure them out after they've spent five, seven, ten years of their life pushing against a wall only to realize, oh, there was an IP issue that didn't uncover. The market isn't as large as they thought, or their path to market is so crowded. I'd rather find that out early on when I could do something about it versus after I've blown through time and money and energy and maybe the best years of my life. Like, that's fantastic. Exactly. And, and there's one other thing, too. The thought is, like, let's say it is a no, but there's always a learning from the no, right? Yeah. So when they act, they're super smart folks. So invent something else where you now know in the back of your mind as the inventor, like, oh, I do need to worry about IP. I do need to look at regulatory. Maybe I should like take a look a little bit myself early on to know, are these things clear to get yeah. to a path? I'm right. You're going to make that entrepreneur, help that entrepreneur be better for the next and the next and the next. There's also then the students that are involved in it. And as I understand, one of the unique things, one of the many unique things about the program is you involve students in the program from a, a across many disciplines, many backgrounds, different colleges. Like, what's the rationale there? What, what's the mix of students that are involved in the projects? And why have it as more than, you know, just that one slice, say, out of CSOM? Yeah, so I think this started, you know, when Steve first began the Valuation Lab, realizing that this activity would be beneficial to students in a number of different colleges. And those students also contribute their own expertise and yeah. their own backgrounds. So having a law student help with intellectual property uh. or engineers look at, can you actually build this? Um, med students explaining the anatomy to some of the MBA students. Uh, there are others right. that don't understand it. Bringing them all together in the classroom and working on a project together really adds to the richness of the yeah. report that the inventors get. 
and I have to imagine to the the experience the students get. But clearly, they're students. They they might have varying levels of experience outside of the classroom. So, I need to mention the mentors and the executives and residents. How do you bring you know other knowledge or fill the gaps that the students might have in what is clearly very important to the company? Yeah. So one thing we do, we try to level set them all at the very beginning of a boot camp, a really intensive experience. Uh-huh. So they start the class, like get to know each other. The, the classroom actually class has a dedicated space at the Carlson School where they uh-huh. all kind of come together. It's kind of nice, and it's it's you can only get in with key lock, so everything gets sort of be secured. Yep. But then shortly thereafter, we do like an all day Saturday boot camp, and what's great is. The community comes out for us. So mm-hmm. like Schwegman comes out and does yeah. a whole intellectual property pursuit. Some of the folks who do venture cap come and do trade secrets. Susan Alpert, no matter where she is in the world, <laughs> will beam in live and kind of tell them all the things about regulatory. And that at least gets them in the right set. Then the the next step is to really construct teams where you, you know, you don't put all the engineers and all the finance people on just separately. You put them all together as a blend. Yeah. Um, and what's been surprising and wonderful is that the median age of the students doing this is like 30. Wow. And so they're, they're not, you know, when you only think of students, you're thinking like, ah, uh, they don't know that much, but then, right. you know, you have someone there that might be at Medtronic for like 12 years. They're doing engineering. They're getting their MBA because they want to basically get minted to do product management. Right. They have a lot of experience. Yep. You could have a nurse that wants to do upper level management. She knows voice of the customer about clinician stuff cold. <sighs> And she gets to engage in a different way as well. And the other thing we do is we, when the students are actually doing these projects together, to your point of like, how can we make this professional? Mm-hmm. We then, after two or three weeks, we do a dress rehearsal. Ah. And that dress rehearsal is like, we've talked to the students who've done it, like the harshest thing ever. Because we're, we're getting them ready for the next week of like putting on a suit, presenting it to the inventor, and basically trying to make sure that like it, they're putting their best foot forward to kind right. of be the best due diligence they can. We also, one of the secret sauces is there's three projects a semester that each group will do. Uh, sometimes 15 projects in a semester get done, basically, wow. because of the multiple groups that are in play. Right. And we don't give them the hardest projects on the first round. Ah. Uh, and then another Build secret. Them up. Exactly. <laughs> and another thing is we let students take the class over again. So we actually have alumni that kind of come back in and kind of like, you know, trade in the younglings, basically, on what they have to learn. Very cool. I, I really love that. Like that, it's a great example of this community like, rallying around to support each other, to support the next generation, keep building the capabilities. Right, like this is an industry where we are very fortunate in Minnesota to have a concentration. And what I hear over and over again from the companies are our secret sauce is the ability to translate an idea to a commercial product. What your program is doing is building up that capability and that knowledge base for the next generation. So the students are getting this incredible experience that they can then bring out into their work. The companies are getting a lot of value. So then just a a really practical question, like where can companies go to find out about this if they might want to participate? Uh, We have a website on the Mm -hmm. Carlson School of Management's page. Uh, The specific address is z.umn.edu forward slash Val Lab, or they can email us for more information, oh, which perfect. is Val Lab, V-A-L-L-A-B at umn.edu. Perfect. And folks, we'll put that in the show notes so it's easy to find. And of course, you can always reach out to your Medical Alley staff members and we'll get you connected to them. Maybe just last thing I'd ask both of you, 
Is there a, a message you'd like to tell out to there? Is there any things that you're looking for that would help enhance the program or resources or just a message you want to give to the companies? Well, I mean, the, the, the sad truth of it is, is we we actually are dependent on funding to kind of keep this operational. We all got to pay the bills. Exactly. Yeah, right so, on. So it is, of course, but um, the, to a certain extent, the whole existence of Millie and even the Val Lab is actually usually corporate donations, other things to <gasps> keep it going, and some project money. So we, we try to bring the best value back. So that's the message back to the company. We now have a fee associated with this of 2000 $450. That I would say is a pretty darn fair price for what you're describing. Like that's not bad. Right. And then, yeah. uh, for, and we also have an option for someone who just doesn't have the money. We even found like a nonprofit now that will stake them, but for a small basis point transaction of 20 uh. or 30%. Or 20, 20% 20 or 30 basis points sorry, not to scare <laughs> yeah. anybody uh, in like a simple fast agreement and then they will pay the fee for them oh cool and so uh, that but it's also helpful for that group too to then maybe like like here's a portfolio of stuff that maybe not everything is great but it's almost like it could be potentially sold as like this is innovation that yeah if there's more resources we'll go I mean we typically never take Anything that we think is never going to actually work. I mean, it's like we do right. sort of weed out something. Like this has, has a chance, right? But I think um, the message to the community, both in the Twin Cities and just globally, is like we are open. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we expanded out to many different countries now to offer this program as yeah. well. And uh, we welcome to see as many stuff as we can. Heck yeah. Right on. Well, good. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate that. I've had the good fortune of being around the activities that – the University of Minnesota has put on in support of the healthcare and health technology industry for many years now. And I continue to be amazed by the breadth and the depth that's out there. So Steve, Jessica, thank you both for spending a little bit of time with us today and sharing the story. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you. And folks, that's been another episode of the Medical Alley Podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure to get on to medicalalleypodcast.org, or you can find us on Apple, Spotify, or even on our YouTube channel. Just look for Medical Alley. And hey, would you do me a favor? Would you share this episode with at least one other person, maybe even two other people? This is an important one. Help spread the word so that more people know about the opportunities that exist in your community. I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, have a great day.